This is Look West, a podcast from California's Assembly Democrats. The soon-to-be-released movie El Chicano is what brought together Assembly Majority Leader Ian Calderon with one of the movie's stars, the producer, and its director. This is kind of our community's Crazy Rich Asians in Black Panther, and I want to... You know, and I really want to explore that. And, and God bless you for saying that, boy. <laughs> <laughs> tell you From your lips to God's like, ears yeah, right yeah, there, buddy. I, I want to explore that. Want... Since being elected in 2012, ensuring that California continues to be at the epicenter of film production has been a priority for Calderon. He has worked to protect the film tax credit that provides millions of dollars in funding to ensure production stays in the Golden State. The challenge has been and continues to be that there is equity in film. Studies like the one conducted by the University of Southern California shows that big studios do not walk their talk when it comes to providing equal opportunities for Latinos on screen and behind the camera. The people behind the movie El Chicano, the first all-Latino cast movie in more than two decades, know this full well. Joe Carnahan is the producer of the film. Even with whatever, whatever uh, influence I had, no one wanted to make this film. It was a concerted effort to make the cast almost entirely Latino. We got the finance of this out of Calgary. You know, uh, they may not have a, a Mexican in Calgary <laughs> at this moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It was an understanding that this was something that was really good and it didn't really matter. You know, and, and it didn't really matter that those were brown faces. It didn't really matter that it was, they just believed in it. That production of the first film with an all-Latino cast in 20 years had to leave California to become a reality is a testament to the unwillingness of big studios to have more equity in film for people of color. And it also meant a loss of potential jobs to many people in our state. A real missed opportunity, considering that movies like Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther are showing that movies with diverse casts and stories can be a financial success. Amy Garcia, one of the stars of El Chicano, says this is more than a movie. It's a movement. Latinos represent 25% of ticket sales. So we are a quarter of the people who go see cinema. And we're only represented in cinema 3% of the time. The latest version of the film tax credit includes a voluntary data collection by the big studios on the hiring practices to ensure that it is representative of all the people in our state. Ben Hernandez Bray directed the movie. In reference to the Latino movement, our time is now. You know, it's, it's our time. It's taking movies like this to go, listen, we're bankable. We have a voice. People want to see, you know, Latinos in leading parts and in also in positive roles. As a story, as a storyteller, the filmmaker, it's like, yeah, you know, as much as there is negative and unfortunate things that are happening, there's also a positive that's out there. Just like in Amy Garcia's case, as her character, she's a school teacher who educates herself and goes back to the neighborhood to give back to the kids. El Chicano is based on the real-life story of its director, the absence of a father figure in his life, losing his older brother to gang violence, and it was yet another tragedy that further inspired him to finish his movie despite the lack of financial support in our state. It was losing his daughter. I had the unfortunate tragedy. <sighs> yeah, no, no, I don't think you do. Sorry about that, it's always tough. Um, Joe, being my best friend, basically came to me and said, hey, listen, as, as crazy as this sounds, therapeutically, you were writing this thing to get through your brother's death. I think now it's time to finish this and also dedicate it to your daughter. There's an important reason why we ha we're having this conversation. It's because this is such a powerful story, but at the same time, it's like people like myself 
who are in the legislature, other politicians, people that are decision makers, we need to actually act and do things that make sure that we're holding everybody accountable to tell these stories, but then also have equity yes. and things. Yeah. Welcome, everybody, and thanks for tuning in today for uh, a really exciting of our awesome podcast of Look West. Today we are here with the brain trust and talent for the film, uh, El Chicano. And today we have uh, our writer and producer, Joe Carnahan, our director, Ben Bray, our star, Amy Garcia. And uh, what we want to do is just talk a little bit about the film and kind of hear from you guys what the process was like. And, you know, this is kind of our community's Crazy Rich Asians and Black Panther, and I want to, you know, and I really want to explore that. And, and God bless you for saying that. <laughs> yeah. I tell you what, Whittier, from your lips to God's like, ears, yeah. right yeah, there, and buddy. I, I want to explore that, and I, want, and, and, I, I, and I really want us to kind of. I want you guys to help us uh, understand a little bit what it was like to, um, you know, have this Latino film and what it was like to just get it off the ground and get to the point where we're at today. So uh, why don't you guys tell me a little bit about the film and, and kind of how it's all It was a miracle started. to get it off the film. Yeah. I mean, to have, to be a Latino and, and have this story, we needed somebody like Joe Carnahan, who was established with his incredible talent. And, and I love you, brother. Jeez, Thanks, I Thank mean, you, brother. It, uh, we needed his voice, who was already in the inside, say hey look this is a story that needs to be told and there's many more of them as we go on here so i still mean, didn't help us Ian. we still got no money <laughs> but you know it was, it was you know it's a thought that counts hey, we're know. in 800 theaters, yeah, okay? yeah exactly yeah, yeah. Uh, over the goal line. no I, I think it was uh it was one of those situations where everyone said no and they were you know it's and uh they all love the script everybody says no the script's great but it was kind of you heard this kind of the you know they, nobody wanted to come down and say it, but it was like well if you could just get a white lead if you could just get someone. It reminded me years ago. It's so funny I didn't even talk about this, but I remember years ago they wanted me to get uh, Joaquin Phoenix to play Pablo Escobar, and I thought I just it, that's just not something that would fly, you know. And it's sort of particularly now, but I think it was just um, I I think I started to get my back up because the more they said no. The more the kid inside me went like, this isn't the way it works, man. This isn't the way your careers work. This is the way anything has gone. You keep going and you keep driving. And Ben and I did. We just kept uh, pushing the rock up the hill, you know. Uh, and here we are. Yeah. Well, I mean, and I think with a lot of successful films, I think a huge part of what makes them successful is this: the authenticity. And I think that that's what you guys are also speaking to right now is the authenticity of here's a community, here's a story that we want to tell, and you have to be authentic. Uh, to the story that you're telling and, and the characters that are there. I mean, and so you, as an actress and somebody uh, who was going to star in this film, you know, what was it like for you to to see this project and then end up eventually being cast? Well, I had never read anything like it. Ben wrote it and directed it, and it's a very personal, emotional story for him. I'll let him tell you, you know, what the catalyst for the story was. But my character was named Vanessa after his wife, and I was shooting Lucifer, and he came on to direct Lucifer, and he said, I want you to read the script. And I read it, and I thought, I've never seen a movie with an all-Latino cast in 20 years since Selena, La Bamba, Mi Familia. It's been more than two decades where a majority of the cast, if not all, is Latino. And I've never, ever seen or read a story in cinema that's an action movie that reads like a $100 million budget movie 
starring all Latinos. So I thought, this isn't a movie, this is a movement, and this is a historic one, and I want to be a part of it. And I loved that this particular character, based on his wife, left her community to get college educated. She's from East Los Angeles, then came back to teach the next generation of little chavitos in East LA, which I thought was really important to send a message of never forgetting where you came from. You know, it's so funny too, you, you mentioned you know, La Bamba, you mentioned Selena, and it just is like, why, those were so, these are icon iconic the films iconic and so films. successful. Yes, they, why yes, would are. it be difficult uh, to get funding for a project like this? And, you know, why is it so hard for people to believe that it would be successful? But, you know, so I want to touch on a little bit of that. But why don't we talk a little bit about kind of the catalyst of how this story came it's about? We've got tissue. We've got tissue. Here we go again, man. <laughs> <laughs> we're all familiar here. Oh, God. Um, you know, this, this, this idea initially started 12 years ago. Um, I unfortunately lost my youngest brother to gang violence. And instinctually, I just started kind of writing a, a, a memoir of dealing with his death and how my mother was dealing with it. To, to, to see her having to bury her youngest child and there's still five more of us and realizing that we're a statistic, it's happening to us. Um, it was tough. And, and I, as I started coming up in the business as a, as a stuntman, as a stunt coordinator, I started trying to develop the story more and more. And then this whole El Chicano part, the superhero part, was basically a metaphor of not having a father because it was my mother and my grandma that raised six of us. Um, during that process, I met Joe. Um, and we, you know, we just, we had this incredible friendship. We just connected. It was like, he's like my brother from another mother. And, um, as we went along, it was developing. We were talking about it uh, here and there between projects. And I had the unfortunate tragedy. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I know. So you know do. <sighs> Sorry about that. It's always tough. Yeah. You were just talking about how, you know, you almost, you were, uh, you were four pounds and you were, you know, it just, it started, uh, we were tapping into this whole thing. I, we lost our daughter. Uh, four years ago sorry yeah that was tough and um <clears throat> once i took care of my wife and my uh who's now 11 years 11 years old uh, julian my other son um joe being my best friend basically came to me and said hey, listen as, as crazy as this sounds therapeutically you were writing this thing to get through your brother's death i think now it's time to finish this and also dedicate it to your daughter so i had a friend um in new york had a uh, apartment in the financial district. And uh, once I took care of family, I, I'd left for four weeks. And I wrote in the dark, and it's like having these two guardian angels with you. And uh, I wrote 185 pages of this memoir, you know, good, bad, ugly, brought it back to Joe to Los Angeles. And with his expertise and his knowledge, we sat there and we pulled what was, we felt was important to tell the story and what was relevant. And uh, we left to his place in Palm Springs. Um, Tequila shots, hugging it out, <laughs> cried, yeah. um, and we we wrote these incredible 125 pages that we did together with my brother, and um, and that's where it all started, you know. And uh, it was I, it was funny. It was remember the time <laughs> the day we we finished it. We're looking at each other. It's like I think we got something really special yeah. here. Yeah, it's crazy. It was. I think the last line of the script was. Uh, he chases the darkness back into the belly of the night. And I looked at Ben and, went, and that's it. And we hugged 
We hug. And I think we drank ourselves silly. And yeah, exactly. It's a Latino yeah, Batman. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's a Latino Batman. But <laughs> I mean, no, but, but, but again, as he mentioned, you know, in, the, in, that, in that tragedy and in that kind of grief, you know, I didn't know how to comfort my friend other than let's try to reconstitute that into something that, that, is, that works, that's positive, that you can, if there's any way ever to make something that, 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 that horribly sad fuel, let's, let's figure it out. Because I didn't know any other way to, um, uh, to, to, to approach him, to try to help him. You know, um, and I think that's also what created this kind of need in me to not be um, stopped by the traditional kind of corporate forces that run studios that say this you can make and that you can make. I just, right. uh, I just didn't. I just absolute. I'm, I'm a, I'm a huge. There's a, there's a coach, NFL coach, Marty Schottenheimer, coached the Chiefs, and I'll never forget seeing a, a, a piece of film of him telling his guys refuse to be blocked. And he must have said it five times, refused to be blocked. But he said it with such unbelievable clarity and profundity that I thought, God, there it is. Refuse to be blocked. Mm -hmm. Do not let yourself be, sl be slowed down. by. And, and, and at some point, it, I think it supersedes this notion of just being stubborn. And you start to go, wait a minute. I'm right. We're right. Yeah. They're wrong. And the only way you do it is you prove it. You know? and, uh, and I think that's what we've done. And, and, uh, and I think the film speaks to that. I, I I love the film. Thank you, brother. Uh, you know, Thank I, I had you, an opportunity brother. to watch Thank it you. Uh, today. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's interesting because we were talking a little bit about this before we started, but, you know, I'm third generation, and so, you know, it kind of feels like you lose a little bit of, uh, of that culture and, and that, uh, you know, as other generations come about, if you don't have somebody that's continuing to keep it alive. And, you know, and for me, that was my grandmother. And, she, that, you know, but she died when I was young. And, and um, but she was that, that rock. But there was so much. I grew up in East Los Angeles, you know, Whittier, He's which. Whittier, Whittier dude. I'm, I, I live in Whittier. I yeah. represent Whittier. Which so when you, you saw the storage facility in Whittier, you're like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, no, you guys are messing with me, right? That's <laughs> I, love it, dude. I know I love he it. looks all Whittito, but no. I'm young. <laughs> Jesus. So, like, I was really proud. I'm like, no, the LAPD doesn't have, a, you know. We're going to tip our hat a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. But, but, you know, I, I, you know, there was so much that I felt I identified with. And, and what I think is really going to be the success of this film is it is this is very much about a superhero but an attainable superhero that isn't about having, you know, some superpower that you can fly no. or something. This is somebody that you you can be a superhero. Anybody can be a superhero. It doesn't matter where you're from or where you've come from. And I just felt like there was so much that myself, I could connect with and, and identify with with this film. And it just, but a lot of it too was family. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have brothers, like I have brothers and you have that kind of relationship, it's just, it hits you in a different way, and it really doesn't matter what your background is, where you're from, Absolutely, what man. the color Very of your true. skin Absolutely. is. It's mm -hmm. just these are human emotions, and mm -hmm. these this is a human connection. And, and I think that this film is so important uh, because of the time we are currently living in. I, yes. I couldn't agree more. I mean, if you Most just look definitely. at the numbers, Latinos are 25% of movie buyers. So we literally constitute a fourth of the movie audience, but on screen we're 3%. We're 3%. So the disproportionality of, I grew up never seeing myself on TV, ever, and I think we're very affected by what we see. And so you're a little girl, you're a little brown girl going to the movies. I used to go see Star Trek with my dad all the time. Mm -hmm. He turned me into a major comic book nerd, and I never saw anybody that looked like me. And I, 
I think subconsciously that really does such a devastating thing to not making you feel like you're part of the fabric of the country that you know and love. And I'm just so proud of this because it's it's so overdue. And I think, to your point, something really personal is very universal. So obviously, to me, it's a double win where... Latinos who love going to movies, right? So instead of just going with your date, Latinos are going with their whole family. They have and stories. They're, they're mm -hmm. stories, yeah, yeah, and they're with 10 people. And, and I just love that we're going to get to hear Spanish. We're going to get to see old school icons who have been in old movies, but there's always like that one Latino role or that two, two Latino role. And what I loved about this was when we were shooting this movie, I looked around the table and I thought, wow, this is the first time... I mean, at Dexter, I remember it, I was in, half the cast was Latino at some point, and that was just because it happened to take place in Miami, and it was very organic. But in cinema, the disproportionality is so severe. And I remember shooting at El Chicano and looking around thinking, we have George Lopez. We have mm -hmm. Sal Lopez. We have these old-school veteran theater actors, Marlene Forte, like, and, and, and we're all... Yeah. And I just thought this is something I've never experienced before, and and it's and it's about time because, like I said, three percent of movie yeah, characters nuts. are Latino, and we love going to the movies. So hopefully, this will be a catalyst and just bust the door open. That's great. That's a start. <laughs> That'd be great. But it is, but it's also important because you know, being on the side of the world that I'm on in 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 politics is that it's easy to scapegoat. It's easy to vilify groups of people when you don't see enough about them. When you don't see them as human beings, but you see them as the other, as somebody who is affecting your life in some negative way because some politician wants to, to sure. make you believe that because it politically benefits them. Yeah. But when you watch a film like this, it's like there's so much that I feel like it doesn't matter where you come from, you can identify Absolutely, with. absolutely. And that's what's yeah. so important. We screen this scene, we screen <laughs> Ben Light at the Palm Springs Film Festival <laughs> out of 4.30 on a Thursday afternoon on literally all... Caucasian, largely geriatric audience. <laughs> and I thought, buddy, we're about to get hammered. Senior citizens. <laughs> Let's just get this in the car and take off. This one ain't going to work. They just finished golf. They, you know, they're they, in they, and, then, and Pepe Cerna was in the crowd. Yeah. And and I said, Ben, we, we have to call we have to call Pepe. I mean, that's, that, that, is a, that is an OG if there's ever an OG in, yeah. in, in, uh, in cinema. And, you know. and uh, they loved it. They didn't move. And I think we were both so blown away. And I thought yeah. it was, and I just, listen, we, we got all, we got the finance of this out of Calgary. You know, wow. uh, they may not have a, a Mexican in Calgary <laughs> at this moment. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> it was crazy. And, and it's crazy, you know? Yeah, it was nuts. And then after those, we had two screenings. I think that day our screening after, and the first thing we had, it was like the first three people on each screening asked, when's, when's the, uh, when's the sequel? Uh, when's the sequel? Yeah. That's the first thing I thought when the movie ended. I'm like, oh my god, the sequel is going to be so good. I can't wait to see what this develops into. Yeah, and right. so, but you know, since we kind of you know uh, traversed a little bit of a, a new topic here, financing. Talk to me a little yeah. bit about what it took to get financing for this film, and and kind of what the trials and tribulations were to get this off the ground, at least financially. Well, it was one of those things where these guys in Canada, are, who have become our friends now and become our business partners and, and kind of are, are, are right there with us step for step and taking the same financial risks we're all taking, um, they, they, it was obviously rough going because they didn't come from a traditional film background and they didn't understand that once you start a process as intensive as prepping a film, unless you shut that film down, that's, you have to keep going. And every week gets more and more expensive. So we had a lot of difficulties. And we're in Calgary, which is not 
which is not a, a a. I think they have wonderful talent there, and certainly we've got I've got I've, we've got some lifelong kind of partners, creative partners, other Jane Mansbridge and Mitch Lee, really talented people, but they are not a Vancouver or a Toronto, and they're not as adept uh, and as that, that facile as those as those cities are. So there was that, but I also think it was just a. Um, it was an understanding that this was something that was really good and it didn't really matter, you know, and, and it didn't really matter that those were brown faces. It didn't really matter that there was, they just believed in it. But it was difficult. We had to, we had guys come in and kind of, you know, made a lot of money on our backs and got out, you know, uh, which was very disappointing, yeah. um, uh, which I understood. Listen, it's, it was, it was, there was money, there was investment, and they, and they were very shrewd about it. Now, they will never be invited back to kind of participate with us again. But... Uh, and then and then going and trying get getting a PA, which is Prince and advertising the marketing money uh, we also ran into the same difficulties it's like people just don't they didn't see it they don't see it uh, and they and I don't think they understood the potential behind it so uh, in those instances look like I said you know in for a penny in for a pound you know um, uh, you, you have to kind of uh, you, you all you have is your kind of unbridled love and enthusiasm and commitment and dedication to something, and that's all you got. And uh, and it, it in in that you have to you have to go through these incredible kind of valleys and shadows and and uh, and and figure it out. And ultimately, like I would tell Ben, time again, listen. If the movie's good, it won't matter, but if the movie's good, it won't matter. And um, you know, we 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 came back from Calgary without a finished film, and because of the genius of this guy. And because of him piecing it together, there's a standoff at the end of that film, the climactic standoff. One side of that standoff was shot for $7,000 for nothing because we had to do it. We had to figure it out, and we had to steal shots, and we had to go old school because it was necessary. And so uh, we, what we wanted ultimately was to have the movie done. I think it's all in. I think we raised, I think it's $13 million Canadian, which is $10 million or something, P&A yeah. plus the movie. So it's not, a, it's not, a, it's not an inordinately ex- expensive film, but it is for an independent film. Without "quote unquote" the bankable, you know, star, yeah, lead stars, mm-hmm. and which I've never understood that system either. Because I think if Robert Downey Jr., God love him, I think he's a tremendous actor. He's not playing Tony Stark in an iron suit. I don't think anybody cares. I don't think anybody cares if Daniel Craig, if he's not James Bond, if it's Daniel Craig in a movie. But the but the metric in the business is you get this person, he's worth X amount. And oftentimes, I think times I think those figures are just they're just jerry rigged. They just come out of nowhere. You know, if you can get this, it's worth that. Um, and that's what we always battled against, and that was the difficulty. Yeah, Ben, I, you know, I'm, we talked uh, really briefly about you know all majority <coughs> Latino cast movies like Selena and, and La Bamba. We've already there, there's already precedent for this success. Why still today do you think it was still so difficult for you guys to get the respect that you deserve just because you're all Latino cast? I mean, it's a story. What? Why? Why do the color of the faces or the background of these individuals? Why does that matter? Because the last reference is twenty years. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but why? Well, I go back. It's been twenty-five years. I mean, like we go back to America, me, blood and blood, as Selena, mi familia. I think Joe has said it uh, better than anyone has. It's like, what did you say? If it's not in front of your face, yeah, it's not red hot and a half inch from your face. They don't get it. Yeah. But but in success. They'll try to clone it and knock it off a million times. Yeah, they they want to lean into the for sure thing, right. and we hope with this film, this is the beginning. Like we talked about a movement and what we've done with the story. It's like these are bankable, you know, incredible actors that just happen to be Latinos. 
Yeah, and I think Hollywood in general, like any business, is risk averse, right? So yeah. it's so tough to make a movie. You can make a movie, it can get shelved. You can make a movie, lose your star, lose your money. There's so many things that can go wrong, um, especially now with so much competition in the marketplace and media to get people to pay $15 to drive in the snow or the wind with their it's just It's just tough. So they want to hedge their bets, right? Mm -hmm. So if your only reference is 1994, then it really doesn't. But what I really respect about these guys, the film looks like a $100 million budget movie. The car chases, the action sequences, the, I mean, it looks like a non-indie film. It looks like a studio film. And I really feel like the story is such a scrappy, all-American mm -hmm. story, right? right. Like yep. you, you, you're told no, you move forward. You're told no again, you move forward. And what I love about this movie, it's just pure grit. It's, it has these elements that have never really combined before where you have like a personal emotional story combined with a veteran action, you know, filmmaker combined with an audience that is so hungry. I mean, to your point too, I'm actually relatively optimistic. You look at Fast and the Furious, $3 billion franchise, most of those characters are minorities, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. You have cool action sequences. You look at Alita, crushed at the box office. Mm -hmm. You look at Black Panther. I mean, there. you're right that they're, they're, if you wanna look through the glass half full, yeah. there's testament that if you put, I mean, a, a Latina lead opened Alita, right? And directed by Robert Rodriguez. I mean, so you see what you wanna see, but to have a movie like this, it has all the winning elements. They're just gonna need something tangible that has a bankable return. And then they're like, oh, we knew it all we along. Knew it. Yeah, no, we yeah, knew El Chicano was gonna <laughs> be. Yeah, correct. No. It's, like, it's like we talk about Get Out. No one was gonna finance Get Out. Yeah. That had to be yeah. done for $5 million. But then, but then post Get Out, every, every studio executive's office you walked into, do you have anything like Get Out? Even though these are the same guys six months earlier would have thrown you out of that office. Yeah, for exactly. That story. But I think so much of it is just in their head because, you know, I totally agree with you that to a degree, they, they're risk averse. At least they believe that they are. But I've, yeah. printed, I've seen a lot of really stupid movies where yeah. you could read, read that script and probably seen that it wasn't going to kill it. <laughs> yeah. But, right. Yeah. You right. know, yeah. But, but I think it, but it ha really has. I think to do with just this this idea that oh well you know we know that this is kind of something that has worked and you know it's an inherent bias it's just an inherent bias that is right. there that everybody all day long will sit there and say no I, you know we don't feel that way we don't believe that at all but yet every decision that they make only proves that that inherent well, bias I mean, listen, actually I mean, exists. But, but and you go back to like, listen, uh, Fox didn't believe in Star Wars. If they believed in Star Wars, they would have sold the merchandising rights back to George Lucas for three hundred fifty thousand dollars in nineteen seventy six, which are worth five billion dollars today. <laughs> yeah. if, the, if, this, if those geniuses existed at every level, then these decisions wouldn't be made. The, the fact of the matter is, they don't know. They don't know. There's a very famous quote by William Goldman, who's a tremendous screenwriter, wrote Butch Cassidy and Sundance Kid, wrote All the President's Men. Nobody knows anything. Right. It's still as apt today as it was when he said it. Nobody knows anything. And in success, that's what that's that becomes the sea change that Amy's talking about. In success, you'll start to see this kind of this kind of tectonic shift go on. It's like, well, now we want now we want Latinos now 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 because yeah. because there's a metro right. You know, and they could point to it and go. Oh yeah! Oh, that worked. Oh yeah, yeah. Give us that. Do you have El Chicano too? Right. Do you have La Chicana? Do yeah. You, have, you know what do you have? What do you spin it out? You and know? that's Keeps what going. I hope for this. I hope the Latino community galvanizes <coughs> together to support because I think the African American community does that really well in cinema, and and we don't. We haven't done that. So if this could be, like I said, instead of a movie, 
a movement where the entire Latino community, whether you're Guatemalan, whether you're Peruvian, whether you're, you speak Spanish or don't speak Spanish, whether you have blonde hair, brown hair, green eye, whatever, but if you just want to hear a good story, and especially if you just happen to be Latino, I would really hope that West Coast, East Coast, Midwest all comes together and, and because that is the power, that is what will change their mind. Absolutely. You vote with your ticket purchases, and I really hope for our community to, if we're all in the barrel, let's just climb on each other's shoulders, tip over it's the barrel true. so we can all just tell our stories. But we haven't done that yet in the same way that the African community has. And I just hope that we focus more of our on our similarities than our differences. And I'm going to put that good energy out there. Well, you know what? <laughs> that's as American as what you just talked about. Dude, that's American, right? We, uh, how much we are, we are far more similar than we are different. Yeah. Well, but, uh, but, there, but you guys are also touching on something that I wanted to just at least talk about really quick is... Um, when I watched this film, something that was extremely powerful to me that I thought was really brilliant on your behalf um, was, you know, a lot of times when we see our community um, uh, kind of in, 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 in these roles and, you know, you know, these stories are being told, it's, you know, we're, we're Mexicans or, you know, we're, you know, we're whatever area we're from, not American. Right. You do, you go out of your way to make sure, no, I'm Mexican American, which again goes back to the title of the film. Right. But you do a really good job, and I think an important job, of m helping people understand that, yeah, I'm Mexican, but I'm Mexican American. And that's what's so important mm -hmm. in terms of these stories being told. It's we're American. We're yeah. American. Yeah, we're we American. look this Absolutely. way. We're American. Yeah. Oh, yeah. By the way, that's where oh, everybody hears from somewhere else. Right. Everybody's yeah, everybody. from somewhere else. <laughs> exactly. Right? Unless you're Native American. Unless you, you know what I mean? Unless you're yeah. Especially this area. Oh, yeah. especially yeah. this area. Yeah. literally yeah. like in Mexico. Yeah. It was just stolen. I mean, Manifest yeah. Destiny, yeah. Destiny, right? But, right. But, I, but uh, you know, I, I just thought it was so important. And ju it just, it, like, it hit me in one of those, you never know what's going to hit you. But it hit, that, that's <laughs> one of the things that kind of, that that's great. Yeah, that and Whittier. That's great. Yeah. You know, hit me yeah. in one of those ways that it was just like super powerful to me because I just feel like that's never been highlighted in that way. No. It just, it never is. And yeah. I, that's what I was like, okay, that's And great. that's and, and, true. And, yeah. And, then, and even in this, in this, in this kind of very, very tumultuous time we're in in this country and where you're over here, I'm over there, they're over there, which is, I just find uh, yeah, separating ridiculous. Separating families. Yeah, exactly. The, the horrific it's things sickening. are happening. It's sickening. It's sickening. And, and to be reminded, now, man, we, we're, we're, we all belong here. We're all here. This is what the country was founded on. You know, give me your tired huddle masses. Give me your, you know what I mean? Like, that's what it's, it's at the base of the Statue of Liberty, man. That's what this country is founded on. Not this nonsense and not these histrionics and not this divisive Bullshit, forgive me. Uh, well, and, you know? and what I want to say, because I know we're kind of getting towards the end here, um, you know, there's an important reason why we ha we're having this conversation. It's because this is such a powerful story, but at the same time, it's like people like myself uh, who are in the legislature, other politicians, people that are decision makers, we need to actually act and do things that make sure that we're holding everybody accountable to tell these stories, but then also have equity yes. and things yeah. like film. So yeah. we have $330 million every year that the state of California directs towards tax credits to bring filming back to California. That was really important. That was something that when I came in six years, actually seven years, almost seven years ago now, uh, it was do or die. We need to make this decision now. If we don't do it, we're going to lose all of filming mm -hmm. because right. the infrastructure was here. The talent was here both 
in front of the camera and behind the camera, but what were we going to do as a state to to keep it here and bring it back? And, and you know, the film tax credit program 2.0 is what we did, and I was an original architect on that, and I was also the architect of the 3.0 program, which we passed this last year that's, that's going to be coming that's into fantastic. effect great, next man. year. But one of the things that was super important was diversity. And what we did is, and, and again, you're using uh, public money, so you have to be careful with laws and, and making sure you're 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 not doing something where you're going to end up in court with public money, uh, and so what we needed to do was incentive find a way to encourage diversity, but so that it was legit in terms of it not conflicting with any other laws. And so what we did was, okay, you're you're a studio. We're not going to say in order to apply to a pro to this program, you have to create a diversity program, but you have to report if you've created one mm -hmm. and the success mm -hmm. and what you're doing with that diversity program. Now, if you don't have a program. You don't have to. You can just you just report that you don't have one. Right. But now, how does that make them feel? Am I going to sit there and not create a program, and report that I didn't create a program, and so I don't care about diversity as a studio where you should care about diversity, and that comes with its own set of politics, where it creates that pressure and that catalyst that government should be putting on studios and the decision makers right. of these projects, and then also at the same time, if you create a program, well, you certainly shouldn't sit on your hands. And right. not do anything because right. if you're not seeing results, exactly. I don't think that right. looks good exactly. on you. Exactly. Yeah. I'd like to think the universal language is love, but it's money. So if you incentivize <laughs> and say, hey, we will give you money if you tell the stories that represent the social fabric of the state. So be like, fine, fine, fine. We'll totally make those movies that yeah. represent yeah. the majority right. of, of people who go to the theaters. So, yeah. so thank you for that. And also, when you made that incentive, one production in LA employs 200 families. So it's just such an exponential you know, right. effect. So we, it would be great to get money as, and easier money if it's like, oh, the script is good, first of all, but if the script happens to tell a diverse point of view that we haven't seen before, because that's what people want. Yeah. People Crazy want Witch Asians, <clears throat> you know, Black Panther. Yeah. People are getting bored. Yeah, you know? exactly. And yeah. still has this universal message. You're right. You know? Because but, it's but, so personal. But we, we, yeah. we, listen, we never felt that, we never wanted to lecture anyone on, certainly on race politics or on, on stuff that what we want to do is create a form of populist entertainment that just happened to have this group of people headlining it you know what i mean and that's that you know mm -hmm. what i mean and i think the gesture was simply that and that knowing that uh and then whatever that message has been says a very universal message a very relatable message and everyone can get something out of it and you can be your own superhero which yeah. is so universal mm -hmm. yeah. i think that's a perfect way and perfect way to, uh, to end it and look i guys i can't tell you how much i appreciate you taking oh, thank the time you so much oh, yeah, for having, having this conversation with me i think that this is super important and it's going to help a lot of people that hear this and it's just really a really cool story i want to encourage everybody to go out and spend your money uh to watch this film it is 100 percent uh worth it guys when is the release date may 3rd may 3rd weekend may 3rd to mile it's coming out uh, i want to thank everybody uh for coming and joining us on this podcast of look west i'm assembly majority leader ian calderon thank you guys for more information about how to apply for the california film tax credit visit asmdc.org forward slash calderon the look west podcast is produced by the california assembly democrats please subscribe and rate this show wherever you get your favorite podcast and when you think of california and politics remember Remember to look west.